And welcome back once again to the Endurance Hour podcast, episode 406. Glad to have you with us alongside Kona coach Wendy Mater, Dave Erickson here. I say Kona coach, and we do have a Kona this year, but it's just for the women of the World Championship in October. But this weekend is the men's Ironman World Championship in Nice, France. First time they've changed that in 35, 40 years, it seems like. Anyhow, uh, good to see you again, Wendy. How's the, how's the knee? Uh, the knees actually, I'm have, I had a good week. So I'm, I'm kind of smiling about it because it, I was having a horrible week last week, mentally and physically, because I was feeling so bad physically, it got to my mind. And then all of a sudden, I just mentally have to self-talk my way out of where I was, and I started feeling better. And so it just kind of goes to the importance of your mindset and your attitude and all that, how important that is for anything that's going on in your life, but specifically to racing. Something I've learned in racing is is maintaining a positive attitude, a positive mindset when things aren't going your way. And that makes a really big difference in how you feel physically in the moment. So um, I, did, I did some things that just kind of spontaneously for myself, um, back on the bike again, indoors, I'm riding a 400 mile monthly challenge to raise funds for kids cancer. I went to an event on Labor Day, the Labor Day 5K that I always go to. I went to the event all dressed up in my racing kit, but I didn't run it. But it motivated me to say, okay, I'm dressed up as a runner. I went to the track. I attempted to run. I took some video of myself to send it to my PT, kind of wanted to get his thoughts. And uh, it just kind of re-motivated me to say, you know, you just got to step out of your comfort zone and and get going as I approach 23 weeks post-op tomorrow. And, you know, the big 24 week next week was always on my mind for the last 23 weeks is to get to that 24 week mark, because that's all the information I see online about returning to your sport. And I want to return to my sport of running. I don't want to wait until I'm feeling hundred percent because I need to start now and slowly build up to that. And so, yeah, I've been feeling pretty good about where I'm at. And you can follow Wendy on some of the social at T2CoachWendy on Instagram. I've seen some of the uh, reels that have been created showing you walking, showing some clips of tips and coaching advice and a lot of your your knee recovery and rehab. Yeah, so I've been I've been doing some posts about what I'm actually doing for rehab because that's the primary mode of activity I'm doing now. I'm I'm at the gym three or four days a week, specifically doing movements to strengthen the quad and and all the surrounding tendons, ligaments, and muscles in my right leg. You know, I had a little setback four weeks ago with my left knee, and that's feeling like it's made some progress. So I'm I'm able to start re-strengthening that leg as well. I had to hold off on some movements because my knee hurt. And so that totally has changed my mindset because that left knee is feeling better. It's not holding my right leg back from making progress. And, um, yeah, I'm kind of posting about my journey because it may help or inspire someone who's dealing with similar issues. And a journey you have been on, 21-time Ironman finisher, 10-time Kona finisher. And speaking of Kona, as an Ironman uh, certified coach, we've got uh, Kona in October. And some people were asking questions about uh, equipment. For example, Martha wrote to us, I have deeper ditch wheels on my bike. With the wind, should I switch out to a different set of wheels? I would have to rent or borrow them as these are the only set I have. Your thoughts on that 
being a, a longtime Kona uh, participant on the Big Island? So great question. Just to first start with, dish wheels are not legal. You cannot ride a, a deep dish wheel in Kona because of the wind, and the wind will probably just sweep you off your bike if you do. Um, I've a few times, probably the last three or four that I've been in Kona, have rented wheels from race day wheels. So I just show up and give them my bike and they put the wheels on and that's what I have for the week. And so it gives me a few times of riding them to get accustomed to how they feel because I don't own a pair of those racing wheels, which are deeper dish wheels. Now the wheels do come in, I believe, you know, like 40 millimeter, 60, 80 millimeter depth. And the bigger the depth, the more unstable you may feel. If you're someone like Martha and those are the wheels you've been riding on, well, then you kind of are comfortable feeling the impact of a wind or a gust of wind, where someone like me, I wasn't. So I'd get more, I think I was getting like the 60 millimeter depth. And, you know, if, if you had the option, like I did, I traveled with my training wheels and got racing wheels just in case. Um, I wasn't comfortable with the racing wheels. And so I still had the option, depending on the wind conditions, to put back on my training wheels. Because for me, safety is number one. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't want to get in a situation where all I had was a deeper dish rim and the, the winds were going to be extreme and I would be uncomfortable. So, you know, kind of looking, you know, it's, it's hard to predict what's going to happen race day, but chances are high you're going to experience some high wind gusts at along the course. Full rear disc wheels are banned at Kona due to concerns over safety in windy conditions. The 180 millimeter deep rim has a maximum external width of 32.5 millimeters and an internal width of 21 millimeters. This is uh, as of September of 2022. What's the best uh, wheel depth for a triathlon. I find here the rough rule of thumb for moderately experienced riders is you should stick to a mid-depth front wheel of 40 to 60 millimeters. When crosswind speeds go above 15 or 20 miles per hour, heavier, more experienced riders can get away with more. Lighter, less experienced riders should exercise some more caution with that. It is a real concern. It's scary if you um, you get caught up especially that front wheel starts to wiggle a little bit and you're in the aero position, which was a concern, I think, probably for for uh, Arizona because it's wide open and you can get some wins. depends on the day. Mm -hmm. Sure, there are some advantages of it, but you got to be cautious being in the aero if there's some wind gusts crossing you and you're going 25 miles per hour. Well, and you do bring up a, a good point about the weight of the athlete, you know, mm -hmm. guys, heavier guys, or even just guys in general will have like a zip 808, whereas a female like myself, I'm going to have the zip 404 because the 404 is a little bit less deep than the 808. So that's a factor to consider. Well, that's for Martha. So good topic, good question. And uh, another one, uh, in reference to the distance of a full Ironman, this is from Brian, who's training for Kona next year. So they're, they're alternating it. So Nice, France this year. Nice, France this year for men, Kona for women. And then in 2024, Nice for women, Kona for men. 
And then, you know, World Triathlon Corporation says they're going to keep alternating that. But, you know, we just got to wait and see how it goes. So Brian writes, what are your thoughts on him considering a 140.6 in Michigan in mid-August of next year, because he's preparing for Kona 2024, or not doing a full distance at all next year before his race? He says here he's done seven and has done plenty of things right and plenty of things wrong. So I've, he's got a good handle on what the distance involves in terms of training. So should he do a full before his full, speaking of August, June, July, August, September, that's pretty close to the Kona. Why even risk it? Yeah, I mean, if he could do a full in the spring of next year, that would be better and that would be fine. Plenty of time to prepare for it, plenty of time to recover from it. Doing one in August, I think, is a little bit too close, especially because you're going to a world championship Ironman. That's a little bit different mindset, a little bit different preparation for Kona. So my advice would be to skip the August Ironman. Think about, if you can, doing an Ironman in a more humid environment in the spring so you can kind of acclim- not acclimate, but you can get, if you haven't done an Ironman yet, in humid conditions. That would be my my first advice. My second advice would be to maybe pick an Ironman in the spring that also involves similar elevation gain to the bike course in Kona. So you have a little bit more experience on, again, maybe a humid of um, one with a bike course of four to 5,000 feet of elevation gain. That would be a close to the conditions you're going to experience in Kona. Otherwise, I would just say, you know what, rely on your experience, reflect on your experience. Something I did in my um, previous Ironman in Kona in 2022 is I reflected on all of my Ironmans leading up to that and what I've learned and what what worked and what didn't work. And I kind of took all that experience into Kona 2022. And I think that was very helpful for me as an athlete. And that's what I advise other athletes to do. And here's a thought, Brian, this is a, it's called the Michigan Titanium. So it's not a Ironman uh, branded race, but it is the distance. Uh, I've heard people do this before, more pros than, than amateurs, but maybe do the swim and bike and do half the run because of the recovery aspect of the run. If you want to get some of the, you know, race experience again before Kona, that's an option. If you don't mind, you know, not finishing but you want to get out there because it's on your list. You're wondering if you should do it at all next year. Yeah. If you want it bad enough, get that swim experience, get that race swim experience, get yourself, you know, all the rust and cobwebs out and then do a decent bike. If you want to test some things out and then just do half the run. If it's a, you know, if you're lucky enough to have a, a mm-hmm. loop course where you can exit out with the plan that I'm going to test my nutrition. I'm going to test some things out on the bike uh, that I want to test in Kona and then, get that first six miles, 10 miles in on the run just to see how the legs feel and then um, step away as an option. If I, you're willing that's a to. Great, and that's a great option as well. Yeah. This question from Tiffany, I've never raced an in-water start before. That's where you kind of bob in the water before the gun goes off. Uh, how long do we typically tread water before the start goes off? I'm looking to get some real-time practice in. Now, I know a few races that are like that, uh, St. George comes to mind immediately. There's uh, Texas, Ironman Texas does that as, as well. Uh, there, I'm sure there's other, many other ones too, but what's your take on this one with uh, for Tiffany on in-water starts? So when I think of that, I think of, of in-water start in Kona because I've had the same 
not not really concern, but I know you leading out, they start for like, let's say a, a back in the day when it was a 7 a.m. start, they start piling athletes in the pier at 6.15, 6.30. And so I'm one of those persons that I want to be one of the first people in the water so I could be front and center at the start. And so I'm treading water for a good, you know, 15, 20 minutes. I'm also know that, you know, it's, salt water makes you more buoyant. So you're not expending as much energy as you think you would be because you're still fairly buoyant. And so it's not, again, for me as a strong swimmer, a big deal. And if she is specifically thinking of Kona this year, um, they have moved Kona swim start to an age group start. So they did that last year in 2022. So I was standing on a Leahy drive in a wave for about 10 or 15 minutes. And then right when they allow your wave to get in the water, you swim to the start, which takes a couple minutes, if that, and then you're, then you're going. So you don't have that 15 to 20 minute treading water in Kona like you used to. And I, you know, I applaud you for kind of thinking ahead in case you're thinking of a different race that's going to have you in an in-water start. Yeah, it's really good that you maybe practice treading water, practice getting efficient at it, practice expending as little energy as possible because that's what you're going to do at the start of the race. I also personally do some vertical kicking. And to me, the treading water and the vertical kicking is just really kind of a good stretch and loosening up my legs. It's a good warm up. Mm -hmm. I think what comes to mind is your position where you are compared to other athletes and know that once the gun goes off, everyone, everyone goes horizontal. And so the spacing of shoulder to shoulder, someone directly behind you, once the gun, gun goes off, it can get really crowded unless you space yourself the right way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I can think of some of the uh, shorter races that I've done where I'm just like, okay, let me just let these guys go or you're too close to me. I'll start on the outside just so I can see everybody. It's like it's not that important for me to the initial part of it just to let the water clear up so I can see things. But that initial part is so rough. But how long do you sit out there? It, it depends. Yeah, salt water or if you got a wetsuit, that makes it a lot easier. Laying your back, just float there, take it in. Yeah, good, good, good question there, Tiffany. Yeah, I think her being prepared for that and knowing that it's going to happen, it, she's going to be just her mindset of it, you know, leading yes. up to a race is is better than experiencing it for the first time and, and not feeling like you're prepared to tread water for that long and you feel like it's going to use all your energy. Yeah, timing it to where you get a feel for when the gun goes off. It's like, ah, how long do I go? I don't want to be rushed. I don't mm -hmm. want to miss it. Don't want to be out there too long. Yeah. This question from Nina for Wendy, any key pointers for training for a 112 mile bike regarding building power on the bike to sustain a good speed for the bike in a full Ironman race? Hey, Nina. Um, she's also in our T2 Endurance Facebook group. So I personally answered her question in the group. It's a great question. It's pretty common. You know, I think athletes kind of could have this expectation rightfully to when they're following any training plan that they're going to increase their power, increase their bike speed. And it's important to recognize if you're training for an Ironman 112 miles on the bike, a training plan that you're following is not intended per se to increase your 
functional threshold power and or speed because it's an Ironman training plan. You're going to be, the training details are going to be focused more on endurance and strength and then maybe a little bit of speed as you get more into the program, but it's not a speed increase FTP type of program, which there are plenty of them out there online if that's looking, if that's something you're looking to do. For example, maybe in the off season when you're done racing and you want to focus on the bike, you can find a program that specifically is targeted to increasing your functional threshold power and you train with a power meter and that's something that you want to do. It's going to be a cycling program probably four or five days a week of specific to riding. Also, if you're trying to increase your speed or power, it's important to make sure you have your training zones set and I would assume you're training with a power meter. So making sure you do a functional threshold power test and you have proper zones and no matter what type of program you're training for, whether it's an Ironman or different, you're following your zones based on your current fitness level, not on a fitness level that you want to be in 12 to 16 weeks. Speaking of training plans, we announced this the last podcast, I believe, about the special offer being extended through the end of this year yes. through Training Peaks. Can you recall what that is? Yes. So, be, you know, until December 31st, 2023, we are offering a 50% discount to all our Ironman and Ironman 70.3 programs on Training Peaks. And those include the race specific programs that we have. So, for example, if you're planning on doing Chattanooga, May of 2024, you might consider purchasing our Chattanooga-specific Chattanooga 70.3 program now for 50% off. So when they see the prices, we've got a couple dozen uh, races, or not races, but uh, plans online, which all include videos during every major training block within the plan. So we have some questions and answers that we produced for you ahead of time. So if they see in here $147 for... This is the Ironman Florida plan in, in uh, 24 weeks. They can get the discount and it's within, where is it at where it says they only pay a certain amount? So if you if you input the discount code T250 at checkout, yes. then you'll see the 50% off price. There you go. Okay. Otherwise, there's a 33% off discount code that we include in the description. But because you're listening to this and wherever we else might share it, uh, then it's 50% off. Wow, it's even better. Big time. Okay, cool. And you can see that on Training Peaks. If you go to endurancehour.com, you can see all the plans that we have, which have direct links to Training Peaks. A couple of steps, but if you just type in Wendy's name too, you can find them on Training Peaks. Just want to get that out there before I forgot. Scott was asking, when we're talking about, you know, you do your race, what about when you're you're done? He says, you know, I'm, I'm going to do some swimming, increase my mobility sessions, maybe some light training. What are your thoughts about fall and winter training once the season has all wrapped up? Again, another great question, um, especially for this time of year. A lot of athletes may have started their out of season, off season. Um, most athletes are approaching the fall winter when they will be taking some time off. Usually I like to say, you know, November, December, those holiday months is, is it a good time of year to either take time off or not follow any structured plans. And also, the, you know, I, I usually recommend athletes um, after some time off 
if they want to continue to train in their sport. Uh, focus on what is your week, weaker event. Is it swimming? Then consider a swim-focused plan. If it's biking, bike-focused, or running, a run-focused plan, which we also offer on Training Peaks. We have those three sport-specific single-sport plans that are 16 weeks long. And it'll just allow you to kind of ease back into a training plan with skills and drills, endurance, and then all those plans that we produce um, go into strength, endurance, and then we add some more tempo threshold and speed workouts to make it a full 16-week program. So that's kind of what I would do. Definitely prioritize strength and mobility. Even if you're someone who follows a strength and mobility program year-round, we tend to slack on them as we approach certain races or we kind of give it up altogether as our build, as we're building into our race specific season. And so kind of reacclimating yourself with mobility and then rebuilding those good habits in the strength room is really important. Good question, Scott, because that's a reality for a lot of people. Some people might be already done and have their big races out of the way. If you've already uh, bought one of our plans, maybe you're banking it for next year and put it in your calendar on Training Peaks. And those out-of-season plans are a good kind of lead up into a plan that maybe you, you're not going to start until 2024 or, an, mm -hmm. or another year. Did I get an email or was it? Oh, I did get an email. I thought it was from you for a second because it was regarding a virtual Ironman Arizona qualifying. Did you? you does that sound familiar to you? No. Virtual Ironman Arizona. I got an email that said something about um, possibly um, not applying, but uh, qualifying for something by going through in a virtual. Uh, do they are they still doing this virtual clubs that Ironman put on a few years ago during COVID? No, Ironman discontinued the online racing probably at the end of last year. Okay. Um, you know, Kona is coming up for the women and what's exciting about that, the opportunity for more women to experience the Kona Ironman world championship, because it's a women's only race, which means there's more, uh, participant availability because you split it in half before, or maybe it was 60, 40, whatever it was. Now you got a potential of 2000 women who can do the race. What was your mindset? Do you recall so long ago in 2008 when you went there and you won your age group? You must have been on top of the world. Your mindset going into that and then realizing, wow, I just won my age group. Were you the first, you're the first woman across, age group woman across the line, weren't you? Yeah, I was the first female amateur age group winner. Going into that race, did, was that even conceivable? Was that even like, I know they say anything's possible, but it's like, if I do a good race, I could be the first, or it's like, I just want to do well in my age group. So I want to backtrack into 2007 when I raced there and I went to the award ceremony to watch. I didn't place, I think I was like top 20 closer to maybe 17th or 18th in my age group. And I saw Bree Wee, who was a professional triathlete win the amateur division. And who I saw her. became a professional. Yeah. Yeah. And then she became a professional and I saw her. And having never been on the podium, so 2007, I think, was my maybe my fifth, sixth Kona, never been on a podium, never got an award. And I'm like, I want to do that. I can do that. I have what it takes to do that. I just need to change. I just need to have the mindset and the confidence to do that. 
and so going into 2008, um, we actually had some life changes. We moved from Colorado to Chattanooga for my husband's job. So I didn't have a job. I actually had more time to train when we moved. That was like my job. And so a lot of, a lot of those type of factors were included into leading up to that, to that win. But my mindset was most important because I trained and the way I trained helped me build certain confidence that I never had before. And then I raced Coeur d'Alene that year, um, broke my chain in Coeur d'Alene, had 25 minute delay waiting for someone to come and help me put a chain back on my bike. But I didn't let that get to me. I knew I was ahead of pace than my predicted bike pace was going to be that day. And so I knew I had some time kind of to spare because I knew I was running well. And so I kind of just chilled out, let the, let the people come fix my chain. And then I carried on, I kept up my pace and my nutrition. I didn't try to make up time on the bike to say, okay, I gotta, I gotta speed it up. I gotta catch up. I just remained calm and focused and said, this is going to come down to the run. You can do this. And so I ended up fourth in my age group at Coeur d'Alene, which qualified me for Kona. And that was a huge confidence builder for me because that was my fastest Ironman with that delay fixing my mm -hmm. chain. And so just building the confidence through training and racing, I got to Kona and I told people I was going to break 10 hours and everyone doubted me and said, how do you think, how can you do that in Kona? Kona is different. And it, for me, it was like, well, why not? Like what, what's going to hold me back? I knew based on my training and my racing, I was capable of breaking 10 hours in an Ironman. And so um, my goals that year were to be the first out of the water as an amateur and to break 10 hours. I had no expectation of a certain placement, anything like that. I just wanted to be the first amateur out of the water, which I was, and I wanted to be break 10 hours. And coming off the bike, my bike was actually about 10 minutes slower than what I predicted I should be at to break 10 hours. And so I thought, okay, I don't think I'm going to break 10 hours, but I'm for surely going to break 10, 15. So just go for, just go run. And again, I had the run of my life and I came in at 953.51. And so it was a very surreal experience. Um, my parents were there. I didn't really have friends or any other family members there. So it was very you know, weird to having won this event, not only my age group, but as overall amateur winner, but not have like all these friends and family members like I do now in the sport that I could have shared that with. And so um, my mindset then was, okay, if I can do it once, I can keep doing it. And then, you know, unfortunately and fortunately the next year, because, I, because I'd won, I had already qualified for 20, 2009. The next year, I got injured very early in the season. My training was different. My mindset changed because I was frustrated with injuries. And I went to Kona underprepared, and, and I lost my confidence. And at the same time, I thought, well, I won last year. I should be able to defend my title. And it ended up, I ended up walking pretty much the entire marathon because I had a lot of GI distress, and I was overtrained, and just it, it was just like... Oh, kind of a horrible event going to win and then going to walk the marathon. But at the same time, it was probably one of my, you know, just close second to winning Kona was walking the marathon the next year because I learned a lot about my mindset and the physical components and, and, and my, how important mindset is.
because I, I went into 2009 not confident at all, but I was trying to make myself confident, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I wasn't. So, yeah, now my mind, now my mindset as I've gotten all this experience and as I'm aging is is more on the less competitive side of things and more on the, you know. I'm strong enough to win if I want to, but I have to want to win to win. And, you know, I I went to Ironman Florida in 2021 with the mindset I want to win. And I ended up second in my age group, but that was good enough to go to Kona in 2022. And so it's just really, it is important and has my mindset shifted a lot. You know, it's been back and forth. It just depends on how my training and how my experiences are going to set my mindset for the next important race. That's really difficult to almost win out of the gate because then where do you go from there? You know, having Uh success early and quickly and then the feeling of, wow, that was, if I can do that now, why can't I keep doing it? And then you get humbled the next year and you realize it's not that easy to go back every year and defend or to perform at the same level. Now, do you feel like maybe you were naive thinking you could break 10, never have performed in Kona? Or was the visiting the year before like, oh, I know what to expect when people were naysayers going, you know, 10 hours, you know, it's not realistic. And, you know, even though you're 10 minutes slower on the bike, that's not bad considering 112 miles. That's, you know, less right. than 30 seconds per mile slower, whatever. That's easy. Well, I'm right. Not my numbers, but that's. Yeah, that's really still pretty spot on. Only 10 minutes difference over 112 miles. That's pretty good. Right. But how about being naive and overconfident or just like, I don't want to say ignorant, but like, I can do it. Everyone says it's not Um, that easy to do it. You know, I knew like, again, time wise, what's going to make or break your time in Kona is the wind. You know, I know you can slow down based on the wind conditions that year. Um, So, you know, again, I had been to Kona a few times previously I've had the, I had experiences in Kona. My experiences previously were never to do anything other than to finish and feel good. I never went into Kona before then with the mindset that I want a podium win my age group, whatever. It was always just, I want to have a good race and a good experience. And I, I, I always did. And so, again, having that switch in mindset in 2007 was a real deal breaker for me to say, I want to win. I want to be on the podium like Brie Wee is right now. I can do this. What do I need to do to do it? Mm. And um, the cards just fell into place. (laughs) Everything just kind of aligned that year. And I had such a good experience despite my broken chain in Coeur d'Alene. I think I still ended up doing a 10-15, 10-20 in Coeur d'Alene. So doing that in Coeur d'Alene, knowing, oh, my God, what if my chain didn't break? Well, what if my chain didn't break? What I had 20 minutes of kind of resting, you know? Yeah. I, what if my chain didn't break? I, I had to go finish the bike with a completely different mindset and an adjustment, but the only way I could do that is because of all my experiences leading up to it. So it's just so important for athletes to get experiences, both good and bad. And those, you know, really those, those bad experiences that you learn from lead to the successes that you have in the future. At least that's what I believe. Yeah. Triathlon, at least at the longer distance, is just a game of chess because one move happens and now you have a new circumstances altogether. So if you didn't have that 25 minute break in Coeur d'Alene, 
well then you're not feeling the same way but because you had a break now everything changes the landscape right. your physical landscape changes your nutrition changes yes but if you continued on then you're you know the deficit of burning calories and all that stuff and wear and tear time yeah changes every moment every yeah every situation changes your future decisions and mindset has to adapt right throughout the entire race and you have those ups and downs those confidence goes up the confidence goes down gi happens hydration's going good now it's getting windy mentally oh my i i broke pretty early in arizona last year mm -hmm. because of the water it was cold and it was a long swim for me longer than it should have been and once i got out it's like i'm done i just knew it it's like ah there goes my goal there goes my time goal because i was way slower and i was cold everyone was shivering it was terrible and then when on the bike i think it was windy and i was going oh the first first lap i'm gonna go out just kind of casual anyway and it's like oh it's not going to happen today. I just, I, it's not going to happen. So mm -hmm. it was kind of a boring, defeated day physically. It's like, I'm, I know I'm in, in it for the long haul now. It's not a race. It's a right. survival. It's a long training day. And it wasn't going to be, unfortunately, it wasn't going to be fun. So that changed right there. I knew it was, the goals were over. Now it's got to make, create new goals. The initial goals were over. Okay. How can I make the best of it? And then we've talked about this since. Yeah. So again, any endurance event, it's about learning how to adapt. You learn how to adapt because you have circumstances in training. You're, you should not always have the perfect training day. You want to have those training days that you get a flat tire and you're 50 miles from home and you have to, you have to manage and adapt. You have to manage your, your being positive, your attitude, and how are you going to change your flat tire? How are you going to make it home? Then once a couple hours go by, you're like, am I going to finish my ride indoors or am I going to go to the bike shop and, and fix the mechanical that I had? Yeah. And it's just it's important to to just say, you know what, I'm having this initial negative experience. How can I change it to something positive that's going to lead to a more positive future success? And and that's exactly what I've been going through with my knee thing, my knee injury um, surgery for, for six, almost six months is how can I turn this initial negative situation to something positive that's going to lead to something successful, whatever that is in my future. And, and, and whatever that success is, that I don't know yet, but I just have to, on those times where I'm feeling really disappointed and, and frustrated it doesn't last very long for me because I've learned my coping mechanisms of when I'm feeling that way. I've learned what I need to do to, to crawl out of it. And that's what happened to me last week. Here's some feedback from Carol, which is kind of onto this a little bit. She says, I finished my first 70.3, followed your couch to couch to 70.3 program. My three goals leading up to the race were to visualize the perfect race, to enjoy every moment. And lastly, to trust my training which I heard from your podcast. Best advice ever. I am riding the Ironman high. Thank you for all your support and advice. Again, that's from Carol. And yes, we can visualize the perfect race, but might be better to visualize the potential alternatives, plan uh -huh. B, plan C, to your initial goals throughout the day. Yeah, that's good advice. Brad said this about racing Ironman Wisconsin, which I guess is this coming weekend or was it? I lost track coming, of that. This coming weekend. He says, uh, this is based on the advanced Ironman training plan that he got. My training has gone very well, and I am in a better place than I was in 2022. Thank you for the plan. 
body's in great shape, ready to race. My goal is to break 13 hours, but some days I feel like I can put up a 12-hour race. I know the final 13 miles will uh, determine my time. The better I can run and manage the pain, the faster I can go. Thanks for all the help and training. It's been tough, but worth it. Ah, but worth it. Thanks again from Brad. You know, that's, he said it right there. You know, you just got to keep moving forward. If you're in pain, if you're struggling with something, the, the, you just got to keep moving forward one step in front of the other. You know, if you're on a hilly course, maybe you walk the uphills, run the downhills because you're going to be going downhill faster than uphill. And so there's a lot of strategies you can learn through different experiences to help you get through those moments of darkness that you will probably have in an endurance event. We haven't done this for a while. I don't know why they haven't come in, but uh, here's some more feedback from Shelly regarding a swim analysis that Wendy did for her, a video swim analysis. She says, swimming has become easier as my stroke has become more efficient. Your videos are very helpful and the swim drills are paying off. Thank you very much. So swim analysis, these are a free service that we offer to anybody who is looking to improve their stroke. How's that work? Right. So if, if you want to learn how to you so first of all, you do it, you, you have someone video you preferably with your iPhone um, in the horizontal position and they walk up and down the lane with you for maybe 100 meters or yards. And then you can go to the Endurance Hour um, website, click on how to submit a swim video for analysis, and then you will get instructions of how to submit it to myself. And then I will do a voice over the video and Dave will edit my voice over your video for the analysis. Now, Shelly specifically had sent me one about a month ago. And because I wasn't really mobile to want to do um, a, a video of me doing analysis for her, I just did an analysis for, for her via email. But the voice over the video has been so successful for people. And... Um, yeah, then we kind of give you drills specific to your technique limiter. If you go to endurancehour.com, on the top of the page, you'll see a green bar inside it, the words free swim and run form video analysis. Once you click on that, then it takes you to a page where you can um, submit that or click on either one that you want, and then we'll give you directions on how to do this and send it to us. But hundreds of these are on our YouTube channel, hundreds. Well over 200 swims, and I think over 100 runs, or at least that kind of combination. That's kind of covers a lot of uh, what we had in mind for today in terms of questions and feedback. I don't have any more. There's a couple other ones, but we're into the podcast pretty deep here. So anything else you want to touch on or maybe you have more time for? Um, uh, no, not now. You know, if anyone's still racing you know, best wishes for success. You know, if everyone's probably finalizing their season this month or next month, maybe into November and then uh, kind of getting ready for the holidays and fall, fall weather. We're having a, another little mini heat wave here this week, but I think fall is finally going to start fall weather anyways, is going to start here next mm -hmm. week. In I Georgia. hope Yeah, it was a hot summer. Yeah, certainly was here too. And now that it's definitely changed, I can tell in the mornings, when I let the dogs out, there's a, it's a little bit cooler in the morning. Yeah. And I hope to continue my trying to be a runner again. <laughs> it's my goal. 
That's a good one. You know what? We went on a little break last week, uh, the family, uh, just wife and the two kids, and we went to a place along the Columbia Gorge, which is between Washington and Oregon, and did some trail walking and uh, some other cool sightseeing things. And there was a couple of trails where I'm trying, I'm just chasing my son, and I'm going, ah, oh, this is what trail running would be like and how beautiful it is, especially mm-hmm. along the Oregon and Washington border. The trees, it's beautiful. It's long, you know, very mature forest areas. Like this would be a good, not only a good workout, but a fun adventure to do some trail running. So kind of sparked my mind. I'm not ready for it now. Not my goals have, I have other goals right now, but that is one of those things like, oh, this is what Wendy is talking about. This kind of trail running is challenging, but beautiful and peaceful and softer on your knees. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there again. I know you will. And we'll be <laughs> along the, the along the journey with you. For uh, Coach Wendy Mater, I'm Dave Erickson. This has been episode 406 of the Endurance Hour podcast. Grab one of those training plans, those Ironman uh, training plans for 50% off. Bank it, put it in your Train Peaks account, and save it for next year. And uh, take advantage of that discount because that discount's going to go away once we hit the new year. Thank you for listening. Have a great week of training, racing, and recovery. We'll see you next time. Adios. Adios. Mm-hmm.